What is the difference between being punk and being a punk? We are here to talk some punk rock, some music comics. Punk culture, DIY shit, anything we want to talk about. That's that's what fascinates me. Give me everything. Absolutely everything. I find that, that music and comics have always been intertwined. Muxbound. Chicks okay. dig it. Don't worry. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Muckspout, episode nine. Uh, twenty twenty three, season like two. I <laughs> know, <laughs> very belated Happy New Year to everyone. We haven't seen you all yeah. in a while. So. Yeah, it's been a good month now since we had mm-hmm. uh, Josh Cater on. That was a good time. Um, so today, well, we have John and Ben with us as always, and I'm Eric, and we have Billy Mays the third in his very green studio in the corner there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Billy, dude. you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm Billy. Uh, I make music under the name Infinite Third. Uh, I used to be like a touring musician, kind of a one man band, solo artist. And uh, whenever that thing happened in 2020, I uh, stopped playing shows. So now I'm a, a streamer on Twitch, which has actually been amazing, and I love it. And that's why it's green behind me. Um. But yeah, and I was actually, uh, before we went live, I was talking to Ben, trying to remember how Eric and I met. And I believe that, I, I actually don't remember how we got connected, but I remember when we met in Chicago. Oh yeah, so, so say it. Yeah, so um, you were, um, you had been sharing stuff uh, from your Gently album, which I wasn't released yet, mm. um, on Twitter. And you had mentioned that on there that you were coming to town for the home and bath show or something. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was visiting like one of these, uh, it's like a, it's like an industry show for like the infomercial world kind of thing. And I was going like, my dad was, was gone, but I was like still kind of in that industry. Um, and so I, I got to go and just like, I had no business, like I had no like responsibility to be there or do anything. I just got to like go and hang out. So, one of the things was, yeah, we met up, and I was saying it was right below the Hancock building, right? Yeah, we, we were going to um, have uh, dinner at the, I think, the, what is it, a um, Cheesecake Factory or something, but mm. I think it was too busy or something, so we ended up getting coffee at the um, the old pump house next door. Nice, um, yeah, 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 I remember. And then yeah. and you took photos, and then we, we chatted, and you were yeah, doing like fact, a publication. Of I took photos. Oh, what? Yes. I dug that up this morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look how we like kids. My, my life was in absolute shambles at that moment. But that <laughs> yeah. was a good memory. That was a good I do, memory. I, So I remember that was when was eight, it? eight months maybe after your yeah. dad had passed. And you had also had an apartment fire, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, let's oh, get into it. That gives yeah. a little history. So um, you mentioned my Gently album, which came out in December of 2009. Well, in February of 2009, I had just like moved out of my dad's house after college. I was like kind of staying with him. And then um, I got my own apartment. And two weeks after I moved in, I got a knock on the door at like 3 a.m. And I ran to the front door and they're like, you got to go. The, the, the building's on fire. And I was on the second floor 
And I was like, oh, let me go grab my stuff. And like, no, you got to go now. I, I just grabbed like my keys, phone, wallet. And I came back to the door and the, the whole place, the stairs were covered in flames. And Holy the dude shit. like broke the fire extinguisher and, and sprayed it down, sprayed down the stairs. And we, my, my partner and I at the time, we ran past just in time. By the time we turned around, my entire roof over my, uh, my specific apartment was on fire. Wow. And I just like watched this whole building burn down. Nobody got hurt, thankfully, except like a dog got burned a little bit on its back, which is sad. But I lost everything I own, like, like priceless things, obviously. But, you know, music collections, gear, my whole studio. Worst of all, though, I had a I had a custom made guitar that my friend in Chicago actually uh, built for me. Um, that was like just priceless. It had like my inlays. It was like made for my hands. It was just it was like completely priceless and i he was actually the person i called at 3 a.m and i was like dude my apartment's on fire and i'm looking at it and the guitar's in there and i'm like i think if they put it out I, maybe i can go grab it and he's like dude he's like that guitar the lacquer finish is not even dried yet it was it only been like three months or something he's like that was the first thing that lit on fire <laughs> and so anyway so that was that was my february 2009 and um so I had to start fresh. And before this, I was making just like metal music. I was making like melodic metal music. And then um, I was able, thanks to my dad, I was able to kind of get back on my feet and get the basics. But he got me a, like a, just a basic Fender Strat guitar and like a practice amp. And I was like, okay. And that's all I had. And so I started just like writing like softer songs and just kind of like emotionally connected songs to kind of like process how crazy that was. Yeah, and, and it was also like a sense of lightness of like, well, I don't really have that much. I had like a couple shirts and, you know, so I, I remember feeling like a little bit of like a relief underneath this, like just complete shock and trauma of it. Um, it is that is such a strange there's such a strange parallel. So the band uh, we, we interviewed uh, my buddy Ralph uh, some time ago, mm -hmm. and uh, my connection to Ralph is the the main brains behind the band that i'm in uh is a guy named Rui pedro he um he got throat cancer and uh lost his ability to speak and i said this a thousand times on the podcast i don't care it's a it's a compelling story yeah, so yeah, sure. um and while he was in the hospital he started he was always into music and he played percussion and stuff and someone had given him a guitar right before he uh, got his diagnosis. And so while he was taking his treatment, he learned how to play guitar. And that's kind of the origins of the band I'm in now. And mm. there's just something about having like any, it was the same thing for him that you were just talking about where he had, he knew that he was going to lose something that he considered to be absolutely essential to his identity. And so he kind of like turned to music as this way of just being like, I need to process this. This is what I'm going to do. And it turned into something just beautiful. And like, is that where the name came from? It's mute. Mute right? sounds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, that's, that's what it was like. It was like kind of yeah. just a new, a new thing. And I, I started writing some soft, not soft. I wouldn't say soft. It was just softer. And it was just like, more emotional music and it was simpler music let's say and i i probably i think i recorded three songs and i was like oh this is this is awesome like i'm getting somewhere there's gonna be an album here i don't know what's gonna happen and i just finally got a new apartment in like may 
um, late May of 2009. And then late June of 2009, my dad died in his sleep. Um, my June 28th. Yeah. Thanks. And, and um, if you, you know, know who my dad was at the time, like he was like this famous dude, this pitch man. Mm -hmm. And so there was like so much circus and weirdness surrounding it. Um, I did like, I did okay in those, in those moments with just like dealing with it. Um, But like, I completely stopped making music for like three months, I think. Which was like unheard of for me because I had been playing music and writing music and recording music. I went to like a recording arts college and like it was just such a huge part of my life that it was just weird that this just stopped. And um, so I I think I ended up, I'll just cut to, you know, this album that we're trying to get to is basically I was very lucky um, through some weird series of events. My dad was offered a free spot at this like celebrity um retreat before he died because he did something nice for the owner he like pitched in to buy her a car for some reason i don't even know the whole story but he didn't even know her and i guess when they found out that died they were like we should extend the invitation to his son so i went i got to go to la and like go to this five thousand dollar a week retreat that oprah goes to and shit and um and it was like intense it was they feed you every meal it's like raw food you, you work out all day. You hike 10 miles every morning in the mountains. You get a massage. Like, it was just intense. And, you know, not everybody gets to do that. So I'm not like, it, this actually makes it sound really like an easy time getting through it because it kind of, it really did like put me in a place where I wouldn't have been. And I remember on the mountain, they did a silent hike a couple of the days where you weren't allowed to talk to anyone for the first part of it. And that's when I started hearing the music again, the same music. Like, it just kind of mm. picked up and it just like activated. And from that moment, I worked from August to November to make this album, which became, I call it Gently. Oh, yeah. Look, there's the album art. That's cool. Um, I try. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, it's probably like the most unique thing I've ever made. It's, it's, uh, it's different than everything else that came after it. It just, it just couldn't have happened except in that whole situation. And, you know, I, I actually, there's more to it, but I intend to, revisit some of those songs later because i i really i, I listen to it and i'm like this is like a a child made this but also you know it's special. So, when I, so i have i have the cd and i've always thought of because the original cd um i think it was under billy mays the third yeah yeah um, it was like under a different name and and yeah, it's funny because i've always developed in my brand <laughs> i've always like separated it from infinite third um mm-hmm. because of that and so then when you put the infinite third logo on it I was like, oh, it's infinite third now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm big on like retconning my whole like output later on. Like I do it like a couple times, like every couple years, I'll go back and be like, okay, like I can update this album art or something. I'm I'm big on that. Yeah, like so to me it was like two distinctly different things, though infinite third and then the Billy Mays yeah. thing, like and now they've been combined and it was interesting mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> so I guess we chatted about that in Chicago and then Yeah. Um yeah, I guess it, it wasn't even out yet then. That no. Been, yeah, okay. So yeah. that was probably October, November. Yeah, because you had been sharing stuff. And then I remember uh, you told me when we met that you, like, people had contacted you about, like, interviewing you or talking to you, but you blew them off. And I actually approached you about your music. And mm. so you were <laughs> actually talking. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, was, I was telling Ben that that was actually my first ever interview about music. Okay. It was probably, my, um, uh, my first interview that was like any 
significance and length. So wow. like we sat for a while and chatted. Like yeah. I had done like some quick phone interviews before that. Um, but that was nice. That was nice and chill. It was cool. Yeah. And now here we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like 13 years later or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that gently is like the most different thing that you've done because from what you were telling me, like different is kind of what you do, right? Like, yeah. like, can you describe the kind of music you make? Yeah. I mean, so the thing about gently is that it's sort of got this like whimsical side, this whole, like, it's all like this, like kind of, I, I always think of it as whimsical. I don't know why it just like has a breeziness about it, which is funny because it comes from a really dark place, but I think it was the whole point of it was like hope in a dark place. Mm -hmm. And I guess I was just clinging to that or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's like so hard for me to even think about what I was thinking about at that time. Um, but then, you know, I kind of go back to my dark ways. Cause like, that's where I feel better is like making dark, uh, like heavy, not just metal heavy, like emotionally heavy music, which gently, I wouldn't call it heavy, but there's heavy moments, but it's anyway. What I, is it about that? Do you think that, that, like kind of because there is I agree with you that there is something uplifting about listening to something that is supposed to kind of like that feels oppressive to some degree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, there is something like it kind of fills my uh, 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 my wings a little bit when For I listen me, it's to like, it. Well, there's different version. There's like, why do people watch horror movies? You know, it's like that's right. A lot of people get positive feelings from dark like tragic movies and stuff and and i get it i think it's kind of like my uh one thing i could compare it to is if you've ever like eaten mushrooms of you know like the, the magical mushrooms uh mm -hmm. like my experience so that, for the kids at home yes yes and uh <laughs> I, I was thinking about that word the other day like calling it like silly Simon. i think that'd be fun <laughs> yeah, that's um, appropriate <laughs> i giggle a lot uh, on the silly Simon. um but my my experiences with it have been so like there's always this period at the beginning where I have to pass through like death. Like I have to be like, I'm just going to die. Like, I hate this. I'm mm -hmm. going to die. And then it's just bliss after that. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's what it is, is like heavy music, like gives you a safe place to just like get pummeled and get beat up and just be like, please just like beat the shit out of me and let me go on with my life. You know, I think sometimes yeah. matching the thing you're going to listen to or experience to the emotion that you have, almost gives you like permission to fully experience that emotion. Like yeah. I remember like when I'd have like a breakup or something, I would play the saddest fucking love song and stuff. Like oh, yeah. it just, and I would just, it would amplify that or whatever. But I think it, it felt like it gave me permission and backup or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, think I, used to, I used to have a tradition that when mm -hmm. I, when I had a breakup, uh, I would go out to karaoke and I would sing, babe, I'm going to leave you by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> whether i dumped them or they dumped me it didn't matter nice. <laughs> yeah and it was just like by the time i was done the song i was like okay i'm ready to find a new one let's go <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah i i think all of my music i mean gently especially but in a different way is kind of just coming from like this grief because i think i always feel like once you feel grief like you kind of just activates your grief system and then you just like you don't stop feeling grief. you just like you just notice it everywhere because not in like a, not in like a depressing way. I mean, a lot of people do feel it in a depressed way when I have, but I just think it's once you lose something really tangible and real, 
you just kind of see that you're always losing everything. <laughs> like you're losing time, you're losing who you were. And, and that's, I feel like my music, I really just intend it to be a meditation on that, which is why I was telling you it's, it's improvised. And there's something for me that's like, that's my only way I feel really comfortable playing for people is if it's just like what I'm feeling right now, even if it's not as good as it could have been if I planned it, you know, it's like a Buddhist mandala. Yeah, totally. I've, I've been to some of those where they, where they make it and they, yeah. Blow it away at the end. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I, I lost my uh, stepdad when I was 18. So like oh. I do understand a similar, um, there is, I had a friend, this is years ago, we were working together and uh, she was, uh, had a beautiful voice and we were planning on making some music together. And then she uh, uh, learned that her, her mother had uh, some sort of terminal illness and that she was not going to last long. And so she had to move back home and that was hours away. So it was probably the last time I was going to see her. And uh, I was also leaving my job. So we all ended up going out for dinner together. And she was talking about how difficult it was to look at life the same way while she was going through something like that and how she felt like she would never be the same. And we were in this restaurant. Everybody's having a wonderful time and they're all eating delicious food. And I just, you know, she and I, we're sharing something at the moment that most people don't have at our age. Cause we were both in our twenties mm -hmm. and I, uh, I kind of, I looked around at all the people. I was like, all these people we're all in the same boat, but we know something they don't that this is fleeting. And that like, there's a moment when we'll remember this and we won't be able to enjoy it as much because it'll be the past. Yeah. And, you can let that get to you. You can let that consume you, or you can just acknowledge that that kind of is beautiful. Totally. That it yeah, I, in that way, I'm very thankful in a, lot, in a lot of ways for how that year went. You know, like I, I think mm -hmm. about it all the time that, you know, if given some kind of magical, like, I think it was our Spider-Man thing where it was like, they wipe everybody's memory, like given something where I could go back and like, not be the person I am. Like I, I mm. probably choose to just be this person and like let that all be. Gone. It gives more meaning to everything. Like just those. That's things. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I like what you said. Like we're all in the same boat, but like some people just—it's almost like it, it like cracks you open to it, and you can now see it everywhere. Mm. And it's and like a lot. The Matrix. And, and it's hard to like. I can imagine the times before two thousand nine where I really just didn't understand yet. Like I didn't really get that. Like, yeah, like my grandma died, but like that was felt natural. That felt like mm -hmm. grandma's die. You know, you don't like, it was sad, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like loss, like, like abrupt yeah. loss, yeah. An, an unexpected loss. You know, I remember vividly the first day of school back. So my, my, my dad passed uh, August 27th. Mm -hmm. uh, and my birthday was September 2nd. And the first day of school was September 3rd. So I went to school with just like the full weight of this experience on me and just seeing everybody else had had a great summer. And it was just this realization that I was never going to be at school with these kids the same way. Mm -hmm. Like they all had the same summer. Wow. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and and then the second realization was how everybody else was treating me differently. Like they knew it, too. And so everybody would be laughing and having a good time and they'd look at me and they'd be like, Hey, how you doing, man? 
And I just wanted to be normal again. I just wanted to have, like, I didn't necessarily even want my dad back. I know that sounds dark, but like, I get what, what happened, happened. I yeah. just wanted to just be a kid again. And, you know, at the moment, I didn't really uh, understand what I was what I was dealing with. But like, music was the thing that kept me going. You know what I mean? Like, every every time I had a I had a moment and I needed to to step away, music was there. It always it always took care of me. So Stephen H. Um, along those lines oh. said, sometimes you want to share your feelings, but not with a person. And a heavy song that hurts can be a good companion. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think it's like, it's like having a dog or cat with you. Yeah. And I think having your expression, whether it's music or whatever, um, and we're what we both just shared is a universal experience and it's a form of like self therapy. It's like mm -hmm. needed therapy. Like sometimes you need more therapy with like an outside perspective and totally like sure. a big, big supporter of that. But we all need that baseline, like self, like able to like, do therapeutic things for us and i think art is like that and and i almost feel like in in our society it's not viewed like it's like that as much as it should be you know I totally it's agree. it's such it's content where like we just need it whether it gets released or anything like we need to actually physically release it you know yeah man you you fucking nailed it like that's that's the sickness i feel when i think about how like as a musician i don't see music in the way that some of my friends who have just been um, like kind of tangentially connected to music, like they love, they love their bands and they've gone to shows, but music is just like a part of the landscape for them. And the same way that architecture is just part of it for me, you know, like I'm not obsessed with it, but if I got into it, I'm sure there's a lot of deep stuff I could learn. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for music, a lot of it for them is like when he, like when they talk to me, they're like, "Oh yeah, you got more listeners. Oh, you got more followers. That's really cool." And I'm like, "Oh man, art's therapy, man. Like it's me. I need to do this. It has yeah. nothing to do with everybody yeah. else." I relate to that with comics too. I, I yeah. don't need like I have a good job and I love my job. Like I, I'll be happy to do that till the day I die. Uh, so like I don't need my comics to you know support me, but I need mm -hmm. to make my comics because mm -hmm. that it's an outlet. Yeah. What's your thing, yeah. John? What's your what's your thing? Uh basically right now I'm doing comic editing, but I've done music journalism and things through uh, the years. And it's always been various types of writing and same kind of thing. Just get it out of my head and into process. the world because yeah. it's there's and on the music side, I'm not a musician, but I've it's been my saving grace for years. It just it, it's such a cathartic thing to be able to put on. For me, it's more of an angry music thing when I'm feeling those feelings. Like, we'll put it on and it gives me that huge feeling of catharsis afterwards. Catharsis. Mm -hmm. And I, it just, it helps me get through it. Feeling the anger or occasionally I'll do the, you know, delve into like Eric was saying, you know, put on a sad song and get into my feelings a little bit if you need to get a good cry out or something like mm -hmm. that. But mm -hmm. Generally, it's just getting pissed off and like angry, and then I feel completely relieved at the end of it. 
See, I'm not mm-hmm. afraid to throw on some uh, dashboard confessional for a few hours. And- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Whatever gets whatever gets you into the correct emotional yeah. space. And I know I didn't really answer your question, Billy, but no, you did. You did. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was your process. I mean, that's how I was asking. And there's actual studies about angry music releasing the right like endorphins that you need to like yeah. feel calm. You know? Yeah, and I would. Uh, what, I'm not working currently. I'm taking a year off to kind of figure out what I'm doing. Oh, and, yeah. uh, well, but when I was working, I would, uh, I would always be the guy with the like Bluetooth speaker that was in the communal space, putting on the angry music. And it was <laughs> like, you'd get those days where everybody pissed you off. And I had like the Muslims playing in the background. And there was one album in specific that would just, by the end of it, I was just so happy and everybody else was so scared of me. <laughs> but it was just a wonderful feeling. Because, like I said, it's just that absolute nice. catharsis. Yeah. So. My favorite yeah. my favorite memory of like workplace music, and I still do it occasionally, but I'm a lot more respectful now. I think my tastes have kind of diversified and I'm not, I, when I was younger, I used to like to shock people a little bit, you know, because you get a kind of a thrill out of that. But um my favorite thing back in the day used to be to put on music that um, most people would consider heavy and and uh, just see the reactions. And then and then if someone was like, wow, this is intense, I'd be like, you think this is intense? And then <laughs> like, yeah. just keep up in the ante <laughs> with all my metalhead friends who were like, oh, yeah, let's put on some Cannibal Corpse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I got a good segue for you. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually the manager would come back and be like, ah, the customers are complaining. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, speaking of segues, I, uh, I don't have one, but using, <laughs> using that kind of. <laughs> Perfect. So I want to come back to the music, but um, you do do other, you do have other avenues. Um, go, going back to the grief and all that, that's, a lot of that stemmed from the loss of your father. Mm-hmm. Um, you did something that a lot of people don't maybe can't um and celebrating your father shortly after with your where's billy mm-hmm. um, and it was funny today i was pulling together stuff and i looked over next to me i, I have a art board that I'll, I'll pull out to my front room and i'll work off of and on there was this guy <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah that's like one of the originals yeah i, yeah, I, I mean that you whole... that day um that whole thing started um, actually because uh, a friend of my dad's made stickers of his face, like cartoon stickers of his face, and he brought them to the funeral. And I, and it was awesome. Like, it just totally fit the vibe of, like, this guy's – my dad had a funeral in, in our small town of McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, in a, in a church and a, a funeral home that, like, could not handle the volume of people that showed up because people got wind of it. And there was, like, line – way around the corner but everyone was getting these stickers and um i started getting pictures of people sending me like hey i'm in paris with with your dad and like i was like oh this is cool and, I, and I, it almost became like a flat stanley thing wasn't that wasn't that what it was where you bring That's like awesome. a little flat stanley yeah. guy so i made a website that started just where's billy mays where i would just post the pictures and that's how that started and um yeah that totally i haven't even thought of this in so long but Eric dug deep. Um, and basically that was the seed of like things that I'm doing now that are actually kind of more serious in the world. But, but the, de- the development of, of that led to a, we did like a costume contest that Halloween. Cause I knew people were dressing up as my dad anyway. And I was getting people saying they were going to, 
I was like, all right, let's just do a contest. And I didn't know, but like hundreds of people sent photos. And I we did a contest. We picked three winners and sent them like OxyClean and stuff. And That's uh, amazing. I still have, if you go to my website, billymaze.org slash cosplay, you'll see it's like, like an endless feed of people, oh, awesome. you know, all genders and, you know, all different places in the world just like dressed up as my uh, probably not in the world because he's more of a usa phenomenon i'll say but um so yeah so that's all led to like always just kind of like something i'm very lucky to get to do that a lot of people aren't able to do in this way is just like share you know things and get get feedback and get positivity um spread just by sharing like a memory of my dad and you know a lot of strangers feel like they knew him so that's something that i get to enjoy that I'm, i feel really thankful that i get to and that's been very you know helpful in the process but um that's led to i have a website called billymaze.org you just go to billymaze.org um and over the years it's kind of turned into this like nonprofit venture where we've raised money for a couple different causes so far one being a really a really appropriate one it's called the laundry project it's my friend's um company where they do free laundry day pop-ups at um, laundromats in like underserved communities. And I volunteered with them before, but we got to raise a little bit of money. We did like a, a Billy Mays beer locally one time and just a couple different ways. So far I've done some shirts and things like that. Um, but yeah, so I've actually made some big moves this year to get a couple things going. Um, and I say, I mean like the last two weeks of this year. Yeah. Like, uh i won't say much but like we're on our way to making a documentary about his life and uh, um, amazing alongside that i have some fun things that i want to do that will raise money for things that are like fun like i i, I want to still do the charity like raise money for this charity but i want to do it by licensing his name and likeness to like for like collectibles funko pop stuff like that uh, yeah and so we've been consolidating everything and getting ready for that so i think if, you know over the next year you'll start seeing some of that Awesome. I used to love watching Pitchman, so I'm sure you guys got some great clips. If you have access, yeah, no, it's yes. there's tons of footage and just yeah. you know, awesome, like a lot of. And then that's another thing. It's like not a lot of people have like, you know, this much media, and and yeah. I'm talking like memes. People still to this day are making memes, that include my dad. And I'm just like, it's almost like his his uh, his meme has lived on even longer than he was famous and alive. Like. <laughs> I bet if my son saw him, he'd probably recognize him, and he's only ten. Yeah, maybe. Ju yeah, just as a meme, like I don't know who that guy is, but I've seen him. Yeah, and he was my dad was only famous for like five years, like, and then he died. He was on TV for like ten. But it was a really important five years. It was it, like the was explosion of the digital world, and yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and yeah, like having a reality show, you know, it's been it's been something we've talked about with trying to like wrap our heads around his story is that he kind of like he paved the way for like what you see as influencers now, which is kind of yeah. dumb. Yeah. You know? It's like how that became, but you know, you would, he would have crushed it on TikTok and stuff like oh, that. It would have been a whole different dude. world, which is funny. Like a, year ago, a year ago, I posted an outtake of his that I posted everywhere else just because I always do. And on TikTok, it went super viral and got millions of views. So that's what led to this whole new venture. Like I had kind of put it off during COVID. I was like, I'm just streaming, doing my thing. I had a, I have a daughter now. She's two. So I, I was just doing that. 
And then once that TikTok thing happened, I was like, damn, this is like still really strong. Like I need to just do this and like close the book on his life. And mm. that's the plan. That's awesome. That's beautiful, man. Um, so other ventures, I know, I don't know if you're still doing it, but the mouth consult council. Yeah. That's one thing you were. That's a fun thing. I mean, I, I actually, it's on, it's on in hiatus and that's from, uh, from COVID because mouth yeah. council was a thing where I been doing it almost like I probably started doing it like two years after gently came out and it was, it's like the ultimate improv social experiment performance where I would take my looper and sit in a circle with people and just have a microphone and I would start with like a little beatbox and then pass the microphone to the next person and loop, loop whatever they do. And we'd be mixing songs and um, it started out as just something to do at a party. And then I would, I was literally taking shows and doing shows on stage, like, like band shows, you'd have a mouth council set where I would bring people up from the crowd or have some of the other bands come up and we'd make music. And there's some videos out there, but no one, no video has really ever captured like the good ones or like what it's really like when you're there. Cause it's, it's like a, it's got this like drum circle energy almost, but like electronic. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, and that really grew and that became actually my career for a while more than infinite third, because I was getting paid to do like team building exercises at, at offices and different kinds of parties and art openings it was just much more universal than infinite third infinite third is like a heavy experience uh but mouth council was just i could do it with kids we would do it like at like kids parties since i literally did like i was thinking when you started talking that like that would be so good for kids like they would eat that up no i've done it a lot i i've done it uh Every year on New Year's, I was doing it at this like kids zone of a New Year's uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, like the city's New Year's thing. They would pay me like quite a bit of money to just facilitate this. It was just chaos, but (laughs) (laughs) making kids like make noises. And, you know, I would always say, like, if you can't think of anything to do, just like make an animal sound and Uh, a lot of, you know, (laughs) I was yeah, I was actually thinking about that. I was like, it sounds like it'd be a ton of fun, but it definitely sounds like there could be times where it would go completely off the rails. Yeah, the best thing is I have control of it. I can just turn it all off and start again. Or, you know, that was that was always kind of the lesson of it. We'd always just be laughing, even if it got way too crazy. I only had like one time probably where somebody was inappropriate in a bad Mm -hmm. way. And I had to like tell them not to say the N word or something, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, And then like but other than that it was pretty trustworthy environment i would play like noise shows where you'd have like experimental like like weirdos and i was one of them just like doing the weirdest sounds going completely psychedelic and shamanistic you know and then and then i'd have like hippies and new age festivals where that would be a whole different experience we would have hip-hop shows where i would go to freestyle hip-hop events and that would be a segment where people would rap over it and i would kind of tell them like just try to do like 16 bars because people have a tendency to just keep rapping when you're freestyling. Yep. So I had to start yep. implementing that. But man, that mouth council got me into so many different scenes and communities more than infinite third ever could, you know? Uh-huh. And when COVID happened, I just felt like really unsafe to bring that to places and like be spreading these spit droplets. Uh, now that yeah. We're all aware of what's going on. Like, you know, and that was always the case. We could have always been getting each other sick, but that was never really a thought when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. 20 so i haven't done it since then and it kind of breaks my heart because it was it's been 
two and a half years. There will be a time when we feel collectively comfortable with infecting each other again, and you can just totally bring it back. Most people are there already. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of there. Like, yeah. No, I know, I know. And it, but it's not even that. Like, it's just kind of grown to be this, like, this anxiety for me of, like, not just that, but, like, mm. this just social anxiety of, like, people feel different now post yeah. that, where I don't know if I feel as comfortable just, like, being wild and free out in the world. And that's a shame, and that's probably just something in me um it'll come back i my 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 real like evolution that i see for it is that i'll be able to do something to like mitigate that for myself maybe have like separate microphones something like that but I, what i really want to do is do an in-person like web series podcast of it kind of like hot ones where it'd be like i get a band to come in sit in a circle with them film it from different angles and then like not just chat but then break it up with like hey let's do a song and then do the mouth council thing yeah. and then chat again um that's my that's where i see it ending up but really the the fun part of it was just being out in the world and just having the social experiment yeah. of people walking up and be like what is this and then just handing them the microphone um yeah you have to check out some videos because there are a couple good oh, ones yeah. Yeah, like a ton of fun. how fun it is and, um, and it was great for me because i it didn't all rest on me it was like oh yeah here's I did the mixing and i would do like hi hats and kicks and snares sometimes but you know, everyone else, I could, I could get even non-singers, whatever, just, I could get sounds out. I could put effects on it. And it must be like a real bonding experience for everybody there too. Cause like, um, my current band, you know, we're, we're purely instrumental, but we have one song where we have, uh, like a small section where people sing along, where it's just like, we, we all kind of hum together mm. and like, we tell like we do it and then we go okay now you guys and then they do it and then we kind of get it going and then they do it while that. we're like crashing through the crescendo of the song and it's man the feeling is so awesome and after the song is over i can see everybody kind of looking at each other like that was awesome yeah so like i can just imagine like, interactive you know break down the walls of like performer and audience you know they're sometimes it feels like it's just this the screen that's up Especially mm. because we're doing it on screens, all awesome. That's true. But, you know, it's really hard to like collaborate on a stream on Twitch, like when when I'm streaming now. But um, of course, the mouth council ways have made its way into my streams as Infinite Third, and um, some of the people are even in the chat right now. Um, basically, what I've been able to do, and this is totally, I didn't plan to, for my channel to be like this, is I have like little things that like community submissions that people make. Oh. sounds so they'll give me a sample of them saying something we have an irish dude who has a cool accent and he says a bunch of stuff um they'll make like ai things where it like says welcome to the infinite third stream whatever but i'll, I'll work them into drops in the music so I'll, I'll trigger something but it's all community like it's all been made by everybody else i haven't really made anything so that's like the closest i've gotten to like digitally recreating any of that that level of community which i miss that's cool. That's got to be exciting for people. Like when they're listening to like hear where they're going to get dropped. Like mm -hmm. we do that on our, um, our podcast for our, our book. We'll uh, name characters after people that we know. And then we'll like, we won't tell them though. So then when, if they're, if they listen, they'll catch it and be like, Whoa, <laughs> that's then we always hear about it. And it's a lot of fun. Love it. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so like, what was, you play multiple instruments. I mean, you have to do what you do. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm primarily guitar. Like that's what I started with, and that's like it's guitar based, you know. But so that's your origins. Do you yeah. do you play drums or yeah. keys I, or I all that stuff? Drums. Yeah. I 
I do all the programming and mixing and everything. And I, I have like synth. Um, I right like right to the left of me right now. I have a a machine that has drum pads and sample pads, and then I have a keyboard mm -hmm. that controls it. So I can do synth notes, and then I can also just play the pads like uh, um, you know, like drums so i i actually i play with my fingers more than i play with sticks or anything like that now but I, I do play drums too and yeah you'd be surprised like the stuff i do on guitar that can sound synthy and sound like other instruments so i guess I, I i do feel like i just like feel most comfortable in guitar for sure mm, fair enough um so because what you do is is so improvised and so kind of in the moment is there a particular sort of writing structure that you go through? Like when you're putting something together, do you start it in a certain way? Do you like kind of just go with your gut? How does it, like yeah. how did this whole thing kind of manifest in the first place, you know? Hmm. Well, when I started playing live, I had, I had made my album and I wasn't playing live for years. I was making ambient music after that. And I was just kind of like doing studio stuff that had no element of like performance or like needing to get it to nail it and then i played my first show i think in 2011 and what i learned from that was like i, I don't think i made a plan i think i was just like i'm gonna just i'm just gonna go and play and loop and do some things and hopefully it'll be something and i learned like having no plan can be really bad sometimes <laughs> if you're not like if you're not confident and strong in what you're doing and then and then I started going the other way where I would like overthink it. I would say, okay, I'm going to start with this and then I'm going to go to this. And then it would not feel right at all the other way. So then I was like, all right, I have to figure out what the line is of knowing what my structures are or coming up with some kind of structure that's like ready to go that I can fit into and then completely improvising within that. And that's right. where I'm at now is that I've learned that if you do it long enough, <laughs> you find all your structures and you can have enough of them that they always feel different. And I have ways that I'll start a song with this one thing. It's like, okay. And, and you know, one thing that I, I, I forget who was talking about this, but it was a musician saying everyone who plays an instrument has a thing that they go to as soon as they pick it up, whether it's a chord or, you know, they hit a cymbal the right way. Like they always do that one thing. And mm -hmm. you just have to like take note of that and just, and I think what happened with me is I kind of, I think I've stumbled into like some kind of pentatonic, very basic scale that I really like. And you'll find that I, I, I play everything in this scale, but I can, I've just learned that if I stay in this thing, I can make it sound like every scale. I know how to go from this one to this one, but my fingers always know these are the notes you can hit, but you can hit them however you want, whenever you want. And so the yeah. improv improvisation is that it's go crazy, but know that you're, you're building up your, you know, I, I have these structures in my head that are like, they're just set in stone now. They're just like, I know it's like instinctual, but you know, if you look at, I, I like to think that I have, I have songs, but they're played different every time, completely different every time. That's kind of how I approach drums actually, that I think I was talking with my bandmate about this where, um, like he was saying that they're like, there's a guy that comes to our shows He's a music journalist. His name's Jojo. We're going to have him on uh, uh, soonish. And, um, you know, he was talking to my girlfriend while I was playing and he was like, he described my style as tenacious, which my girlfriend was like, wow, uh, you've Hi. never met him, but yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but 
the way he put it was, I never really know where he's going to go, but I know he's like, I know it'll, it'll land, you know? That's and that's cool. like, yeah, my I, approach I, to drums is I learned this from Danny Carey from tool. Cause I used to listen to a lot of tool to try and figure out how rhythmic structure works. Cause he's thinking so far outside the box that, um, there has to be a design to it if it fits, if it makes sense in my head. And I don't know how he's doing it. Has to, it has to have some structure to it, right? That's how I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is when it comes to rhythm, as long as you hit the one, the rest of it is kind of, as long as you all hit the same note together, it's resolved. Yeah. And then you can continue on. You don't really so have I feel to like every, have... Everything's in 4-4 four, four if you just count in 4. It's like you don't have to care about the numbers. Like you can just... Right. You know, that, and I get that. And I, and I actually have a lot of people on my stream in the chat come in and say, oh, is this a Tool song? Like, because I, I kind of tend to that little bit of like some of those scales that they do. And I think that's the exact scale that I'm talking about, which probably fits into mm -hmm. some Fibonacci, you know, conspiracy theory thing. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, like I, I totally hear it sometimes where I will say that and I'll be like, yeah, I'm totally doing a tool thing right now. And that's just happening. <laughs> and I go in my other directions. But of course, I, I'm proud of it. I, you know, I've listened to a lot of tools as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I get what you're saying of like the tenacity. That's, I think that's, that's something that I used to like teach when I would do the mouth council thing as a teaching thing. I used to do it as like a workshop mm -hmm. and it would be come join in this workshop, but we're going to talk about what's happening and why I'm doing it this way and what, how it becomes what it is. And cool. one thing I would always say is that, um, and I think, I guess I learned this kind of thing from like Victor Wooten, the bassist. Um, one, there are no wrong notes. Like you, if you play the wrong note, just play it again and you're good. And uh, <laughs> that is actually a rule. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then basically what I came, what I look, my personal like lesson that I would always give people that I was really proud of because it is genuinely like when I do my best with improvisation is I had to learn through messing up. When you mess up, you want to just be like, oh, fuck, I messed up. But what I started doing about a couple years into playing live was I would mess up and I would like smile. I would laugh at myself and I would say, oh, like, it was like a challenge. It was like, Oh, I, I'm supposed to keep going now, even though I messed up. And then now it's just become like, you know, you just always have to laugh. Like it's this like little corner of the mouth smile of like, okay. Like instead of like, Oh, like instead of fear, it's like amusement or excitement of like, Oh, yeah. well, I'm, I'll mess up in this direction. And maybe, and all my best stuff ends up coming from like, that wasn't supposed to happen. How did I get here? What's going on? Totally. Then, yeah. So, yeah, the favorite rhythms I've ever come up with were ones where I was trying to play something and like my hands forgot what they were doing and they did something completely different, but it resolved at the one and I was like, oh, that was cool as hell. Oh, yeah. How did I do that? And then I'd figure it out and I'd be like, okay, I'm using that for the next song. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So we had a comment. Uh, somebody wanted to stop by mm. and let you know. And then chill. That's one of my moderators. <laughs> on, uh, okay. Well, uh, Stephen H is actually one of my moderators too who commented earlier but we're these are just like my og twitch uh community that have become like really good friends uh some of them i never met in real life so what's the music scene like on twitch because i mean it's great I, i've 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 considered exploring it myself I, I i almost did with one of the bands i was in in the past but it never really manifested 
but it seems like it's kind of the perfect venue for, you know, particularly yeah. what you're doing, but music in general. Well, okay. So first of all, yeah, it's a gaming site and which is crazy, but I would say music is like probably the second. No, it's probably not the second thing. There's like hot tub streams and weirdness and, you know, people doing <laughs> crazy things. But music Porn is will always be number one on everything. Yeah, <laughs> it drives technology. You know, um, but music, the music experience on Twitch is awesome in so many ways. There's ways to do festivals where you you have sets throughout the day of different channels, and each you can like just ride from stream to stream. Everybody goes from stream to stream. Like I've done these; they're called raid that's trains. Cool. Oh, that's cool. You can raid at the end of your set, your end of your stream, anytime. You can raid another stream. So you pick oh, someone that's else brilliant. that's live. So we always bring our community to someone else, whether it's someone we know or not. Yeah, and then I that's a that. big welcome. You know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. And then um, basically the experience of not just, not just like the busking aspect of it where people can tip, they can subscribe, they can, you can see who follows like live. You can have it alert. This the chat itself. This is something I say all the time in my stream because it's so true. When I would play shows back in like 20, I think like 16 through 2018 ish, I was doing these things called ambient installations where I realized like a lot of the venues I was playing, like I didn't want to play short form sets at like a bar and have it be so hit or miss of like, are they going to care or not? So I started doing ambient installations, which were four hour shows where I would just like install myself in a place and say, come here. It's a free show. And I would put out like little pamphlets or little flyers that say, this is what's happening. Feel free to make yourself at home, come and go do whatever you want, draw, you know, talk to people, whatever. And, and so there was like this aspect of that where it was like, I developed this thing that made me really comfortable, these long form sets. And then, you know, I kind of was able to operate in hour-long sets and feel good about that and play, play like a band again. I, I, I kind of felt comfortable in it. But there are some venues where I'll play and my music can get so quiet sometimes or so, like, abstract that sometimes people, someone will start talking over there and it'll kind of, like, make everybody unlock from what we're all focused on. And it's mm. just energy of the room. And, and it's really hard to find like intentional rooms. Like I'd play like yoga studios and that would always be amazing because people would be like, we're here to like absorb this. And, but it sometimes I'm at a, a certain, like a kava bar. I don't know if you guys are familiar with kava bars, but it's big no. in Florida. Kava bars. You drink kava, which is like a, like a Polynesian root that gets mm. made in this muddy water that is like an alcohol alternative and you don't, you don't get drunk, you get muddy and you kind of keep your mm. wits, but it still relaxes you. So it's an ancient thing, but. It's big in Florida. Uh, anyway. I'll get ancient drunk. That sounds amazing. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, and I've then, gotten drunk and muddy before. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you, and also you can't drink kava and alcohol at the same time. It's like very bad for your liver and stuff. Um, so what I would find is kava bars were a good thing, but they had that thing where like sometimes someone would talk and it would kind of throw things off. But I, I want people to interact. So when I started streaming on Twitch, I realized – it was like the missing piece. It was like, mm -hmm. not only can people talk to each other in the chat and not disrupt everything, but I can talk to them. They can talk to me, which is like a completely different thing. It's like a telepathic thing where they're influencing the music or me just by saying something, even if they're talking about their day. I'm just like, I love it. I'm just like, yes, like we're all hanging out in this room and we're not, we're all in our own safe spaces that we love that we're comfortable in. 
and we're just like we're just getting to experience however we want you can't no not everyone can have their own experience at a bar or at a yoga studio like you, you're having the experience of being there but it's almost like sharing in the purest way you can because like you don't have to go to a place and put on social convention you can do it in your underwear mm -hmm. you know yeah, like I just Friday night noise. That's my weekly stream. That's my big stream is Friday night noise. And it's for people who don't go out on Friday nights, you know, like yeah, it's don't awesome. go out on Friday nights. The, uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Here's the Twitch channel. Here's my channel. Uh, it's uh, it's Twitch has been a blessing. I, I love it so much. I, I played a couple shows this year, finally, or last year. Finally, I played a festival and like a local show here in Atlanta and I, I'm still like I'm just like I'm gonna stream, like, you know I, I'll I'll go out and play shows when it's right, but here and there. But really, I'm just like now it's I stream and then I sometimes play shows where it used to be I play shows and like kind of stream the shows on my phone and it wasn't a stream, you know. But and and also being a dad now, it's like I don't have to travel and tour. Yeah, it's perfect. But, it's true. Yeah. Um, speaking what of, are the being... chances of a live stream happening? What do you mean? Like uh, doing like an instrumental slash mouth council thing and live stream it on Twitch, like now or no? You mean no? Like I mean not, not, not like. I mean, if you could, no, we, we could no, but no. <laughs> That's like, no. I'm saying like, what? What do you think? Uh, like, what would be the logistical challenges of doing something like that? Do you think? Oh, you mean like in the real world and streaming it? Yeah. yeah, I've thought about this. Like the one place, the one Kaba bar that I go to that I love in St. Pete called Grassroots it's an upstairs and it's kind of like just a room that's kind of big and they have couches everywhere and they have a bar, but they have TVs. They have like two TVs or at least one TV above the bar. I was thinking I could just stream, have my setup. I could bring my laptop, which I usually don't bring my laptop live, but if it's just a stream, that could be cool. And I can get a nice quality sound in there. And it wouldn't even be about the sound though, except if you're not there, you could watch it. But if you're in the room, I could say, go to this URL and you can, we could put the chat up and the stream itself with no sound up on the screen and that's one way or everyone could just be kind of chatting in there and it could kind of like what, what while it's like it could be frowned upon for everyone to be on their phones i think in this case it could be it could be more connective for everybody to be on their phones instead of talking yeah. trying to whisper and, or talk over the music or you know it could give them it's an actually outlet. kind of it's actually kind of a cool idea to have like a social event that everybody comes to where it's acceptable to be on your phone the yeah, whole time right because yeah. it's still a communal experience it's just yeah, a yeah. different method there's yeah. got to be a way like there's probably a wouldn't that be hilarious though time. just like what are you looking at me for look at your phone yeah <laughs> <laughs> like the uh you know they have weddings where it's like hashtag like joey and rachel like and whatever you post or send to this hashtag it like puts it on the screen like i know there's things that do that oh, or slideshow yeah. and you know so I could yeah. I could probably even do it without Twitch and let it be something that happens where it's like, hey, here's a QR code, like go to this URL and you can interact with everybody that's here. That would be cool. Yeah, I would love to do that. I'm 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 probably gonna be experimenting that when I with that when I play shows coming up because I have a couple I'm probably gonna play some in Florida in April. So very cool. Yeah, love to get that going. You mentioned being a dad and I uh I, I contacted you earlier about this because I didn't want to do it without your permission but i thought it was really fun you had a uh, posted on facebook a while back that your daughter was you posted when she watched you play for the first time mm -hmm. i don't have the video but i have a clip of it oh yeah she was doing this little dance 
I was playing on someone's porch uh, for this thing called uh, the East Atlanta Strut, and it's just all these porches. They have like bands come and play, so I got to play on this porch. And it, and two years in to her life was the first time she like really heard me play music because I play into headphones in my room here, and there's mm-hmm. no sound, and she doesn't know how to get on Twitch. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So she like I was. It was like the best moment of my life. She just like started dancing and vibing. And oh, I was that's like, cool. Oh, yeah. hate it, you know. Or I was afraid she might just like not care or hate it. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's it's great. It's great um, being a dad it's like it's exhausting and it's like the hardest thing ever but like right now she's in the next room she's like on the other side of that wall and it's so funny i'll be streaming and you don't hear you hear like pads hitting you hear guitar like unamplified but every once in a while i'll bust out my kazoo i have a kazoo and that's one of my like twitch interactive things is if you have enough points you can ask me to use the kazoo and i'll bust out the kazoo and that's like, I'm always afraid it's going to wake her up because it just it's super loud compared to everything else. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, That's hilarious. You got to get one of those digital kazoos. I, I've heard about these actually. Yes, I do need to get a digital kazoo. I think. <laughs> How much could they be? Hundred bucks. I don't know. I, I, definitely more expensive than a standard kazoo. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the standard plastic, two pieces of plastic put together that I yeah. <laughs> with something fuzzy in the middle that like kind of vibrates. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to see if I have it. No, I don't have it. It's 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 awesome. It's a it's actually a, a friend of mine's band's merch. It's a kazoo, it's a purple oh, kazoo, and it says the people's oboe. <laughs> like an elbow, I guess. I think that's the reference to listening, but it's the people's oboe, and I'm just like <laughs> it is the people's oboe, because an oboe is so complicated, but it is a kazoo basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have That's it. Hilarious. That's okay. So, I um so I was going to bring up um your channel's album. Mm. I don't know if I should have done that earlier since we moved on to talking about the live stuff. Um I was going to bring it up and mention more recently you did this, but it's been like going on 6 years, I think. 2017, yeah. Uh yeah. that was that was like the true like that was like the next big peak of my releases after gently like between gently and channels there's some it's like eight years of like some fun releases but nothing really that felt like a a real project and this one i did a kickstarter for i raised like 10 grand and i did vinyl records and um art prints and shirts and whatever and um beautiful package i actually like played live drums on it and that was very cool that was it was just awesome it was it was like such a fun experience um and like gently it's probably the second that a lot of people connected with and still are like saying messaging me like this week i got three messages from random people that were like channels is amazing and one guy i sent a record to so that that makes sense but then another guy just random and i was like you're the third person this week to i don't know why people are listening to channels all of a sudden (laughs) three people's a lot for me um (laughs) so it's just it's a it's a little heavier it's it's actually like a side A, side B, 40-minute album. I, I crafted it that way. And the best part was that I actually played these songs live. I, I played them like I had like a little bit of backing track stuff going on where I would trigger things. But I got to create something that I you could actually – it was the first time I was ever playing music and then be like, hey, do you want to buy that on the record? Like I just never got to experience that. So I went on tour with that. Probably the best tour I've ever been on. It was like a, a month-long tour. Um 
I'm still. What was your favorite place to play? What was the favorite? Was the top venue for you? Um, that's just shit on everybody else. I played in Chicago. I played at uh, Subterranean. That was cool. I've still never been there. Yeah. Um, the downstairs part. I don't think it was like the big part. Um, I liked. I liked the Midwest. I played a lot in the Midwest. I played in Grand Rapids. I also really enjoyed the Midwest because that was where I met up with uh, two other acts. One was a, a two-piece post-rock band called Analecta, and the other one is another like ambient, bearded uh, guitar player named Nall, and he's a good friend of mine now. Um, yeah, uh, that was just amazing. And I'm, I'm trying to think of what the best place I played was, though. I, I, there was a lot. There was... Uh, <sighs> Yeah, just the Midwest. The Midwest had great stuff. I, I played a couple house shows up there that were amazing. Basement shows, you know. Oh, man, house shows. There's something special about a yeah, house I show. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And um, I played. I played a house show where there was a tattoo guy in the kitchen that was giving people tattoos. Like for free. And, and, was, and someone was like, "You want a free tattoo?" I was like, "I've never wanted a free tattoo in my life. I'm good." <laughs> like with a machine or with stick and poke? Like. Oh yeah, no it was a machine. Okay, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah, but channels, I I'm really proud of it still because if you get the record, it comes with a little insert. It's got all kinds of Easter eggs and symbolism and Morse code on it. And no, that's a great package. I loved it. Cool. Yeah. No, I I I got to like, I got to shout out my Kickstarter backers in a really cool way. The sleeve that holds the record inside the the thing, it's like the inner sleeve, is just all text over a gray background. And the text is every form. The first side is every form of the word channel. I am a channel. I am channeling. I, like Almost like somebody went crazy and was just typing everything. Uh, I have channeled. I will. Cha- like it was, it was like grammatical, everything in this really mm. small text. But on the other side, it was the names of the Kickstarter backers. It was like, Eric is a channel. Uh, ben is channeling. And it was just all that. But then for all the past tense ones, when I got there, I just started naming random dead people that I respect. My dad was one, Robin Williams, uh, Heath Ledger, like different musicians. And it, I got to put like dead wrestlers on there. And so like, I don't know. It was just, it was so fun for me to like actually have a conceptual, like a concept album in 2017. Like, I, I love it. What do you, that actually, this is a great time to talk about this. What do you think of the, do you think the concept album is dead or do you think there's a revival in the offing? Not for me, not, not, I'll, I'll never like go. I like, I, I still only listen to albums, really. I don't, I don't really shuffle things that often. I try not to. Uh, and especially like when I'm actually listening to music intentionally, I, I look at it as like a movie and I'll pause it there and I'll come back to it if I have to stop it. But I don't, that's just me. And then, and personally, I'm, I'm always thinking about my own music in terms of, I, I think of my streams in terms of albums. I'm like, there's an opening right. track. There's stuff that happens in the middle. I always close it out in like certain ways that are, you know, what I would do on an album if I was closing it, you know, a three hour album. Um, I just don't what think, do you, I just think that. What do you think is lost from, from the single side of things? Lost? Like if you prefer albums. No, I mean, singles are great, whatever. Like, you know, sure. I, I don't think it's like singles take over. I guess they, yeah, I would say probably widely they've taken over and it's not right. about albums anymore. But mm-hmm. I think it's like, the same reason records are like on the rise still and like coming back is because there's something about the art of getting someone's whole like piece 
Mm-hmm. Song, you know, it, it's so it's so like passing now. We, it used to be you'd have to get an album and listen to a song if you wanted that one song. And maybe you didn't care about the rest of the album, but you had to go through that still to like look at the yeah. art and take out the thing. And I'm not saying I want that back, but I think we should have the the option to continue like looking at music that way. Like I look at my I I use Apple Music and I I look at it as like I'm collecting albums and I, I look at them and I'm like this is my collection. It's like my dream, my childhood dream when I would go to Best Buy on Tuesdays and buy three CDs and it would be like fifty bucks and then I would have this whole collection. Like this is my dream. I have the whole I have all the albums at my fingertips you know there has always been something really fun though about an album where the songs bleed into each other yeah. and like you're it's a full experience compared to the singles yeah i think it's since I, i've been collecting vinyl more in the last i don't know i see it behind six you. years oh yeah i've seen your videos yeah I, i'm yeah. realizing that this is where they're at oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> in your little record store but like in the last six years or so like I, i've i'll put on an album and listen to the entire album you know you don't sit there and with the needle and drop it right on the one song you want to hear like yeah that's too I mean, much work some people do like djs do i guess but oh yeah that's true <laughs> no i'm i'm just not gonna stop I, I this is how i see i've been doing it so long like i'm just not gonna stop I, i'm only trying to do it more like i literally every night when i go to bed i'm actually going through an album and finger drumming along to it to get this i'm practicing the structure in my head and this is something that i developed before gently I was doing it in college. I was writing my songs that way. And I'm actually, funny enough, what I've been doing for the past like three months is playing those same songs from college because I plan to remake them as an infinite third thing because they stand, they they were never like released and they weren't recorded well, but I love the songs. I've been playing them on stream a little bit actually and trying to learn them, relearn them and everything. But yeah, so albums, like I only look at it as an album. I couldn't think of just like, using one of the songs like they just there are five songs that go together and that's i think on channels that shows too like it it is a full experience i think yeah i mean and i tried to make it so it was seamless as a record but not too abrupt if you're just putting on track three like Uh everything kind of you can just play them like track one is kind of useless without track two and track six is kind of useless without seven but the rest kind of you can just play them so that was my you ever goal. listen to um the mars volta yeah definitely i i always thought of their albums as uh their early ones in particular as really good for having that seamless quality but you could still drop in yeah. and it still felt like a cohesive unit you know yeah that's I, I a like, hard balance to strike i do like when bands like i, I listen to a lot of mastodon and they'll yeah. have these things where like they have someone come and do interludes that tie all the songs together I love it. It's just like they have like actual like producers that they go to for this. And right. And that makes it cool because they'll throw that interlude at the end of the song. But, you know, it could have just been two songs that stop and start. But there's yep. something that ties it together. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think of that stuff is like. That's that's actually what I'm searching for when I listen to an album. Like That's what I'm listening for is like the little spaces between things that like make it cohesive it's like attention you know, as opposed to, detail, to individual yeah. units of songs mm-hmm. yeah it's it's that connective tissue that like i don't know that's that's what that's what gets to me as a musician and as, well, there are like, some, a lover. yeah there are a lot of albums and sometimes it's it's more obvious than others where they just had a bunch of songs and they put them together like it's it's not yeah. 
And maybe the, it didn't even feel like they spent much. Like I, I like, um, and I, I even listed it in my top five um, for last year. The the stereo put out an album for the first time, and I don't know, at least over a decade, um, and I loved it. But like my one disappointment listening to it is it didn't flow as an album like their previous ones did. Mm. It felt more like they put together a bunch of songs, or it, which is what an album is. But you know what I mean. It, mm-hmm. it, I do. And that's how they started, I guess, too, was just singles put on the same wax, you know. So can't say right. albums are like the original way. I guess right. songs are the original. And it's I like, feel like yeah. that's kind of how release schedules are going now is people are releasing a song as it, you know, as they make it, and then they'll do three or four of it, and eventually it might make it onto an well, album. So it's uh, yeah. they're not thinking of it necessarily in terms of a uh, complete whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is sometimes it actually is just a collection of the singles. So it's interesting that, to see. Does that um, need to stay relevant? So like you have to keep having something to release, just like having something to post on social media. And, yeah. 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 Well, what John was saying, like, yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of that when it's like a single, a single, a single, and then the album has those singles on it. Yeah, like, I'm not I like I like the either. trickle thing that people do now where it's like the rest of the album is grayed out and you have track two. Yes. And then it bumps up to your collection every time a new song is yep. made public. I love that. I think that's I like, dig that too. Yeah. That's almost like I've seen bands do like six of the twelve songs at yep. like every month they'll do one. That's six months yep. of like hyping up the album. And I look at that as like that's almost like a um like a comic. It's almost like yep. a yeah, you know uh, yeah. you're getting the story that way. Or yeah. like a TV show, even you know, right? Love exactly. that. You get to re-listen once it's all over. Yeah, yeah. then you get to listen to it all in context, and yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah, you said, I've I've got Apple Music too. So like when it bumps it up to the top like that, it's yeah. like you're rediscovering it every time yeah. it shows up at the top of your list again. Yeah, so it's, it's so nice. smart, yeah. and it's and it's not it's not like cheap. Like it's not like putting out a single, a single, a single, and then repurposing yeah. those singles. Like it, it's intentional. You know, they're they've mapped it out this way, and there's a reason that it's this one, and then this one. And maybe it's track two, then seven. And it's just a new way of doing singles, like the way bands used to do it. And I will say, I'll I'll play devil's advocate on the other end of the spectrum, the people that are releasing a single at a time. Sometimes I like to think that they're so excited to get someone, Mm. you know, I've got a song ready. I want to put it out there. So it's like, I I can respect that too, that they have that, you know, that really excitement to get it out in the world. Sometimes it makes sense. Like Blink-182 announced their big thing and then they Mm. had a new song. Like it's Yeah, that probably did make sense. Like, I, I have I have two in 2020 I released a single but it was two songs I was like I can't just put out a single it has to be like a song and then like the counterpoint song so it's complete in itself and then I in 2021 20, yeah 2021 I put out an EP that was 20 minutes long but it was really two real songs and then like an ambient song yep. and so it had a concept to it but um what pisses me off really bad is that because of the length of it, it's like definitely an EP. Uh, Apple Music or one of them, Spotify, calls it a single, and there's three yeah. songs. It just like makes me really mad. You know, it's just like I just went on this rant about singles, and I have this whole section of singles on my discard <laughs> yeah, that have multiple songs on them. Yeah, they do. <laughs> no, there's no doubt your catalog is beefy. Yeah, <laughs> I know you've been on Bandcamp forever with um. You've always sold like the entire catalog for yeah. a certain amount. I right always... now, I just have everything like name your price. Anyone can just zero dollars download everything because I'm just like. How many hours of um, of listening is that at now? You had it was. I remember oh, watching it. Yeah. 
it's days worth now. I mean, Bandcamp has tons. And there's even like a deeper level on Bandcamp where you can become a subscriber to someone's Bandcamp and you can have like a secret library. Oh, so right. I have like deeper like deeper cuts out of the 18 or whatever 22 that are on Bandcamp. There's like even more. And it's just my way of like stuff that like doesn't really hold up that much, but it still kind of is worth checking out if you are interested. I just heard our 20 listeners just scrambling for a computer to go on Bandcamp and start <laughs> subscribing to their favorite bands. It is probably, <laughs> you know, people who would listen to, to y'all would be into that. So I'm, I'm, I hope they do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm doing it now. I didn't know yeah. that. It's kind of, I know. I'm looking <laughs> yeah. into that. Yeah. I, I'm just, I've, I, uh, I have a Patreon. And that's been great. Um, I decided on Patreon to release every Wednesday morning, I release an ambient drone piece. And it's always stuff that I take from the stream and I kind of take it into the DAW and clean it up and make it a complete fade in, fade out kind of thing. And I always pair it with uh, one of our community friends, AI art, that he makes like really out there AI art. And I always pair it with one of those just, you know, but I love that because it's just kind of like a, a simple automated outlet of like something news coming out all the time. So I have like 40 of those. And then through that, I also did beats that are on my Patreon. Like I have tons of stuff on Patreon now that I think of it, like that's not on Bandcamp. That's not. So I've always been someone that's just like constantly putting stuff out. I mean, Eric probably remembers back in like 2012, I did a, I did a song a day for a year. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. Um, and, and like so unnecessary, like they were all improvised songs, but they, they had like concepts and names and stuff and I would mm -hmm. talk about them. But my other friend who did my album art, still does a lot of my album art, made a piece of art for everyone every day. But it was like we totally didn't have enough of an audience for it to like be interesting. Like it was just for us really. And then finally at the, on the 365th day, like SoundCloud posted it and was like, wow, you did it. And, and like all these people went to it and they sent me like SoundCloud merch and stuff. Like that was like my prize for it. But <laughs> I felt like I was like too early on that. Like now if I if I did like a song a day, that would be like a, a TikTok content. You know, it'd be like Yeah. It would it would Yeah, but going back to what we were talking about before, like there's a value to doing it just on itself, right? Totally. Like Yeah, no, that I I I that was where I learned improvisation like in a whole new level. That's I amazing. Say, you like, made it through the yeah. entire year. Like that's yeah. Like I was thinking by the end of that year, you're gonna be an amazing musician. Like, how could you not be? Mm -hmm. No, it, that was a crucial year. 2012 to 2013 was like just jumped in like how I know my own music, like how I know how to access it. And, you know, any anyone, if you do anything once a day for a year, you're going to be like unreal at it, even if it's just your version of it, you know? Yeah, I saw this video the other day that kind of like, it blew my mind, but it kind of affirmed something for me that I learned from like my time drumming as well. It said like, it's not the amount of time that you practice something, it's how often you practice something. And the idea was like, if you do, if you practice for three minutes twice a day, that might be actually more valuable than practicing for six minutes every day. And the, and the reason is like, what you're trying to practice is getting into the flow state. Mm -hmm. Because like, especially with music, like it happens in the moment, it's very real time. And so you can't really practice being in the moment unless you're practicing going into being in the moment. So what you're yeah. trying to do is like reach that, that place as quickly as possible. So the more often you do even five minutes of it, the, the faster you get at like 
entering that spot and then you can just kind of like create once you're in it totally but these yeah. streams are that for me now like there's always a new thing like it was the song a day it was making the album it was whatever and now the streams are like the new consistent thing that i'm doing at least twice a week right now and sometimes more and how about i uh, pull up the yeah let's watch the uh the thing yeah. adding it to the stream two minutes so um yeah i'm gonna play you all some music for a while Thanks for being here. one of those drops that i was telling you about <laughs> dude that was cool as fuck thank you like I, I, mean, I, I will say that those are like culminations all those moments are like culminations of five to ten minutes of building loops and trying to find where i'm getting but i've been able to learn how to do it in that it all sounds like a song even though i'm kind of just like discovering where it's going to go and then get to that which is like a part that is like powerful you know so yeah, you, you it's got kind of pulling my, my highest the highest peaks. That that was particularly just the peaks, not the not the chill moments or the you know the bridges. It's still amazing, like that you're that you're doing that in real time. And like, man, you kind of like you're unlocking a new level of like music interaction with people. I was thinking about this uh, when uh, in the middle of um, COVID, when things were in lockdown. Um, I was realizing because I was watching people like try and do something musical without having a venue. And I realized that like 
I never really thought about it before, but like the audience is as integral to the musical experience as, as the music itself. And like, it started making me think about it uh, in terms of like, I'm not, I'm not really making the music. We are making a room where music happens, you know, and Twitch seems like what you're doing is kind of like keying into that without having everybody get in their car and drive somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a remarkable thing. I really think that this, like, we could be looking back at this in like 10 years and being like, remember when we went to shows? <laughs> <laughs> right. With VR, we just put the headsets on and we're actually in a room. Yeah, we're, in who Fortnite. Knows? we're in Fortnite and playing a show. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> You nailed it. You nailed it about um, the audience and the, you know, how it's like a symbiotic thing. One doesn't exist without the other. Yeah. I, my shows, the reason I kept playing shows was because once I kind of gave in to like, I'm going to see what happens, I started channeling. That's where channels came from. Like, right. what was needed? Like, I would have people come up to me crying, saying, like, oh, I, I was, I, I really needed whatever you did. Like, and I was like, well, yeah, I did too. <laughs> like, uh, we, yeah. we needed it. And we created it together because you sat there and you gave attention, which I felt. And then I pumped through all this stuff. And it's mm -hmm. a great way to like, to like shoot down any ego you have around like, oh, I'm the shit or I'm good. Like, I, yeah. I love, I, I, I recognize that I'm making good music. Like, I feel like I'm making, I'm making the best infinite third music in the world. That's all I want to do. I don't want to make, I don't think music is like sport or competition. Like it's, it's I hate that whole thing and we were talking about numbers and you know people looking at views and stuff like i don't have the best numbers and I, I you know i would love to have great numbers but this is the important part is that i'm doing i'm the best infinite third there is <laughs> like that's yeah that's all i want to be um but yeah it's just i love just remembering that everything's kind of like that that anything that you think you can take credit for is really just this like magical thing that you had nothing to do with. Like you got out of the way more so it could happen. So like it should shoot you down. It should be like, no, you didn't do that. You, you found a way to get your stupid, you know, brain out of there for a minute so that it yeah. can happen. <laughs> yeah. You allowed the process to happen around yeah. you and it looks like you did something. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the <laughs> sensation of doing something is actually feels really good too. So like you have to, yes. I, I found that I have to have both. Like I, I do kind of need like the ego stroke, but I can like, I can like, I can do that to myself and feel like, okay, I crushed it, you know, mm -hmm. but at the same time underneath it, I'm like, thank God, like it let it happen. Like, thank God <laughs> that the universe decided to use me as an instrument of pure good yeah. you know, for a minute. <laughs> That's a beautiful way to look at it, man. I, I, I wish more musicians had the same approach, the same humility and the same kind of like respect for the art itself as opposed to being the artist. Yeah. I think like I think beautiful shit can happen when you get out of your own way. Yeah, I think I think it's like it's the grief thing. I, I really think it's the grief thing that you that we talked about earlier of like once yeah. it's activated, you kind of have to play by those rules. You have to like you're playing by the real rules now, you know? And yeah. You know, I, I hate to say it, but like I, I do sometimes like find it hard to relate to someone that like can't can't like think of it that or can't even just know the impermanence, like can't even like go there. And it's it sucks, yeah. but you do you there's nothing you can do to give it to them unless you like 
kill their loved one or something like that. You can't get them there. Um, so it's not like a better than or anything. It's not like it's not like more no. advanced either. It's just do you know. Like, do you know the joke about the two young fish? No, what is it? Okay, so two young fish are swimming down the river and they're just talking about their day. And an older fish comes swimming the other direction. And as they cross past, the older fish goes, "Hey, how's the water, boys?" They keep swimming for a little while, and then finally one of them kind of like realizes what happened, turns to the other and goes, wait a minute, what's water? <laughs> yes, we're swimming. That's kind of how it feels, like yeah. we're the old fish. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, We've it, been pulled it out, like, we got the hook, and now it's like... It's like the veil's lifted, and now you see a certain thing that has always been there, which is... Yeah, we what, know that there's a not what water. What is this mystery that's holding us together, and why have we not exploded? Like, why are we what's holding my bones together like that mystery yeah. it's yeah. here and we're living it and it sucks yeah. it's scary i having a daughter is like having it times 10 like not having a child is yeah. like it's just like somebody said it's like having your heart exist outside your body and that just like crushes me because that's totally what it is because i have health anxiety i have death anxiety and now i have that times 100 about this little thing that like if I don't intervene, she'll just like walk into traffic, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot, but, um, I, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that it, that I got through the hard things and then, and, and also it sucks that there's going to be more hard things, you know, there's going to be more loss that everyone's going to have lost. My, my friend right now just lost her mom and I'm talking to her as much as I can and just trying to be there. But it's just a reminder of like, I have more people to lose. I have more. We're all going to lose our our precious lives that we've built. You know, like we're all going to have to let go of it all. And but and, what you're doing is you're transmuting that into something that like connects us and that like, you know, because when you do those streams, once the stream is over, um, you're no longer doing that. And the the experience I'm I'll, I'll watch a recording and I'll have a feeling, but that feeling will be about what you had already done hmm. i'm not there i'm not in it the same way that the people in the chat are in it yeah you know it's a, it's a unique experience and it can't be replicated this is something that my girlfriend said about my my band shows is like she says i listen to the spotify every once in a while but it's just not the same yeah because i've seen it and well, like I, i'm glad let me, let me say this i'm glad that you said the word transmute and i got like really excited when you said it because hmm. I have an album. My next conceptual album is called Transmute Death. And I've been seriously developing it since channels. It's it's like how I look at it, like gently channels and then transmute death is that one that's way off in the distance that mm -hmm. is kind of gonna be this next like real full concept. And I have the album art done and everything, like it's all ready to go. Beautiful. It's just it's not recorded. And um I, I'm almost like scared to record it because I know it's just gonna be a journey and it's gonna it's going to be the soundtrack to like whatever shit happens in that time. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of processing. There's going to be a lot of catharsis and, and I just, it's a big undertaking to, to do that. But transmute death. The point is that like, there's nothing that will relieve me of death. Like I'm going to die. Everyone I love is going to die. And I want to transmute that energy into like power and strength and, uh, creation i want to create something with it rather than just be uh oppressed by it well the reality is the person that you were before all of these experiences happened is also dead 
we're dying every day. We're changing every day. If we're, if we're allowing ourselves to, like, if we, if we want to, we can be exactly. reborn, you know? And that's, that's kind of like, for me, that's what, that's why I make music is because it's like my way of interacting with the present moment in the least uh, egotistical way I can. And um, like, I stop being myself for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I become like part of something else. And then I come back to myself and I'm not the same person. Yeah. And like, you we it. are transmuting death. Transmuting all that. deaths, you know, the little deaths, the yeah uh, this conversation is gonna end and i'm gonna be like damn that was actually like a special time and like yeah never have this conversation again and this honestly has been a great conversation with you guys it has back and at you i'm gonna grieve it when it's gone <laughs> <laughs> well i'm we'll have have sorry to, one. <laughs> i'm almost sorry to say that we're gonna have to wrap it up soon <laughs> yeah that's life <laughs> <laughs> but that makes it more mm -hmm. <laughs> a little more special <laughs> yeah but speaking of the future, you said you're planning on playing some shows in the future. Yeah. Um, I'm playing a festival. Um, it's not like confirmed for me, but I'm, I've been asked to play it and I'm going to play it. It's called Lost in St. Pete. It's a really like DIY underground festival in St. Petersburg, Florida. That's like an art activism and music experience that and just like really immersive art. And they kind of take over the city and um my friends are part of like the booking team on that so i'm gonna come down for that um am I gonna, i'm gonna be playing a house show in st pete as well at that time that's kind of floating around the date but um other than that i i don't know if i want to play a lot of shows I, i'm kind of just like i'm a streamer right now and i love that it sounds yeah. like you're playing shows all the time anyway. Yeah, exactly. I just come into my room, my corner here, my green corner, and you should see. I wish I could turn the camera, but I have this whole spaceship around me that you can't see. <laughs> it's all right, man. You got a new sub. I'm going to be tuning in. Sweet. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, other than that, I told you guys about the documentary. There, It's not really like something I've talked a lot about publicly, but I'm excited about it. It's something I've wanted to do for just as long as you know my dad's been gone, so... Um, hopefully that goes well and, you know, we get to where we're trying to go with it and I would like to score some of it and, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's exciting. And I'm also scared shitless of life. Most of the time <laughs> I feel like I'm just like, I'm just like trying to transmute and tr trying to fight like this anxiety of like shit is heavy and intense in life. It's hard. I don't know. That's me. I, I feel like I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety. Sounds know. like you're taking the reins pretty well, though, from what I'm hearing. Yeah. So. Well, thanks. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, I think these conversations, I mean, I know we're wrapping up, and I think what I'm remembering about these, you know, a really good group of podcasters, you know, it, it's a special thing. And it's just like, this is a, a medium, you know, facilitating yeah. a conversation where everybody gets to kind of express whatever they're thinking at that time. And that itself is like, we couldn't, we're a band right now. We're jamming. And it's just, I, I'm just remembering, I'm saying this just to wrap it up and say, everything we talked about about music has been happening in this conversation. And I really appreciate you guys having me on and letting me like see my creations through, you know, introducing them to you. And of course, to reconnect with Eric after all yeah. this time, it's just, 
Awesome. So yeah, this is great. I just wanted to call oh, that out. Is, say thank you. It was a beautiful way to start the new year, man. I got to tell you. Yeah, it's totally. been great getting to know you. Awesome. You're a fantastic musician and beautiful soul. And I love that you're doing such good things with the uh, the opportunities life have given you and turning tragedy into into something nice and beautiful. And yeah, you're you're a good dude. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's mutual. Thank you guys so much. And uh, this best place to find you, infinitethird.com? Um, actually, just even simpler, go to bm3.me. As in Billy Mays, the third dot me, bm three dot me. It's my my little like link tree or whatever. I get you everything. Okay. Yeah, I recommend Twitch, and you know that's the that's the main hub for where I am now. So, well, I'll be annoying you in chat in the near future. What's your username? (laughs) If you don't want to talk to yourself, it's fine. I don't know yet. I have have one with a friend of mine, and I have one for myself. I'm gonna have to figure out which one I can tune in with. Okay, cool. Well, I'll look for you in the chat, and we'll we'll see you in there. Beautiful. Cool. Awesome. Well, everybody, thanks for uh, tuning in and listening. And uh, what is next week? What do we, who do we got? Do we, uh, Jay Pro, is it Jay Prozac next week? Is that Prozac next week? You're right. Yeah, I believe so. Cool. Nice. Awesome. Then uh, adios, everybody. Anybody got it? Do we have a closing statement yet? Anybody got anything? <laughs> uh, Mute Sounds is playing the Horseshoe on February 9th. Oh, yes. Uh, if you're in the Toronto area, the Horseshoe Tavern is a legend. The greats have played there. Um, Tragically Hip, uh, Conline Crush, I'm Other Earth, all the greats. I believe Rush played there. I'm probably making that up. Alex Lifeson owns his own (laughs) bar. doesn't matter. You should come to the Horseshoe Tavern, uh, famous for Rush playing so many shows. And uh, yeah, it's, it's one of my bucket lists. I've never been able to play it. And it's really notoriously difficult to get into. And we got a Thursday night. And that's kind of amazing. So... Awesome. Very excited. Awesome. Actually, you can get that up on Twitch. I'll be there. So. <laughs> I'll try. I'll do what I can. And uh, I'll be set up uh, with Muck Spout at uh, the Stupid Red merch company's sixth anniversary. Uh, they're doing a pop-up shop before their um, big party. Um, so I'll be there nice. in Milwaukee. I'll put together something to show on the show before awesome. then. Um, awesome. Cool. And uh, big ups to Stupid Rad Merch for uh, sponsoring the podcast. Yeah. And check them out. They got awesome T-shirts. They got also awesome everything. Uh, yeah. They, if, if you're, I'm gonna look if you up. need, if you're a band and need some merch, hit up Simeon. Uh, I don't know. I hit him up all the time about things. Uh, he's done some stuff for my comics. Um, he's just amazing. T-shirts, um, enamel pins, hats. Just the list could go on for days. Sweet. The list is almost as long as Billy May's music. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, thanks for listening. And I'm hitting end broadcast now. Yeah. <laughs>